Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to Chat Time with Elaine again. Today, our topic is learning about the armor of God. What is it, and why do we need it? Um, I think this is a very trying and uncertain season of life where we've got a quarantine going on, which some of us have never had to experience. I think they say that a quarantine like this only comes around maybe every 100 years or so. So by the next time it happens, we've kind of forgotten to take the proper precautions. And uh, so I just really hope that you and your household are doing what you can to um, love others and yourself by being safe and doing all the things the CDC is recommending. And I wanted to share with you spiritually what we can be doing because this can be a trying time as well for many other reasons. Maybe this quarantine is just kind of adding to the difficulty in your life right now. And it can also be trying emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually. And so I want to talk about the armor of God. We learn about it in Ephesians and there are six components to what God is calling us to. Um, I was reading an article and it's talking about like wearing it and putting it on at all times. It's not saying bring the armor of God with you just in case you have to put it on. Ephesians six eleven says, put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. And so um, that's talking about temptation. Satan is the master tempter. That's his job. That's his profession. And he's very good at figuring out what it is that we are weak in. Some people struggle more with different sin than other people. Some people struggle more with doubt. Some people struggle more with lust. Some people struggle more with lying. Some people struggle more with stealing. Some people struggle more with adultery. I don't know. It could be anything. There are many sins. Um, and unfortunately, because of the flesh, we can be weak. Now, if we're saved, we have Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit, and we have that covering over our lives um, that no one can strip from us. Like we are saved, we are the children of God, but so long as we live on this earth, we are able to be tempted because we're not perfect, we're human. And obviously a lot of key components come in where we want to repent and we want to pursue a righteous lifestyle. That's what Jesus is calling us to if we've submitted our lives and our hearts to him. But um, we can still struggle. There is no getting out of that, even if you are a Christian. So I've heard it said that in order to lose that fleshly desire, in order to, in a, in a way, like gradually numb it and like try not to give in to sin and live a more righteous lifestyle, a more godly lifestyle, we don't want to just say, oh, I don't want to sin. Because Odds are you you will sin again, especially if it's a, a sin habit you've had in your life, something that keeps coming back and coming back. And um, so what we need to do is replace that longing for that fleshly desire or that sin with Jesus. Um, chase after something different, if you will. So instead of chasing after darkness, we need to chase after light. Instead of chasing after sin, we need to chase after Jesus and replace that void in our lives with something good. So um, 
sin, obviously, gives us a lot to learn about who we are, um, you know, um, some people would go as far as to say is our family of origin, stuff that you've maybe picked up from your mom or your dad or your guardian or your siblings or maybe your peers, like those people that are closest in your life, which is why the Bible talks about, you know, how we interact with people, who's our friend, who do we allow to mentor us and speak into our lives, because that can go really well or really poorly. Um, You can have a really wise friend or a really foolish friend. The Bible talks about fools. And um, so kind of getting into Ephesians more, um, we can be tempted. And so it talks about putting on the full armor of God. And I believe this is a daily thing that we need to do. And obviously it doesn't mean putting on an actual helmet and putting on an actual breastplate and putting on actual sandals and grabbing your spear. But it's talking about physically, or not physically, it's talking about symbolically. Like, uh, uh, it talks about the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, feet fitted with the gospel of peace, so peacemaking, the shield of faith, extinguishing flaming arrows of the evil one, any temptation that might come our way, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and also has to do with forgiveness and mercy. And then at the end of uh, all of this, we are reminded to be alert and to pray all kinds of prayers and requests and, p- and pray for one another, for the Lord's people. So that was in Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, if you want to look that up for yourself and take some notes. But basically, we have some spiritual tools, some spiritual weapons that we can use to push the devil away, to push temptation away, to push sin away in our lives. We're not um, left unequipped. I mean, you might be unequipped if you don't know Jesus. You might be unequipped if you don't read your word. You might be unequipped if you don't pray because prayer is a weapon in and of itself against the schemes of the devil. Prayer is very important. But if you know Jesus, you can trust and believe that you can have these things You can have the fruit of the spirit, which is patience, kindness, goodness, love, um, and more. You can have this, you know, symbolic like um, armor of God and very real things like righteousness, peace, faith, believing and seeking God's truth, salvation. You know, if you've asked Jesus into your heart, you're saved. And so, um, it's just giving us an example of the things that God provides for us, like realistically, that we can have to fight off and ward off the devil. So John 10.10 says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. So uh, Jesus came to earth and, and died upon that cross and took the lashings and went through that torturous time and died that terrible way because he could defeat death. He was the ultimate sacrifice for our sins and he was the son of God and he rose again on the third day. And that's what we're celebrating a couple weeks ago now on Easter. And he came that we might have life 
that we might have it abundantly. So God doesn't want us to live, you know, in sin. God doesn't want us to live kind of in like drudgery, like, oh, it's another day. Great. You know, God wants us to have joy. He wants us to have peace. He wants us to have life, hope, faith, to know the truth. There's a lot of good truths in God's word that we should be studying day in and day out. I mean, God is a promise maker. He is a promise keeper. And, you know, as you get to know more about God and the characteristics of God, you know that he is not a man that he should lie, that he is good. And that um, he wants what's best for us. And it takes a lot of learning in life. It's a lifelong process, in my opinion. But you learn to trust the Lord. You learn to lean on the Lord. You learn that because he sees everything and knows everything and created everything. I mean, he's got a timeline for things. When things aren't going how we want, say COVID-19, when things aren't going how we want, say losing your job or not getting the job you wanted or um, thinking you're going to get a raise or a promotion and you didn't or thinking that your family life was going to be better by now or thinking that your marriage would have worked out better or thinking, you know, God, where is that special person that I want to spend my life with? All of these things and more. God has a timeline for that we have to learn to trust. Um, We're not supposed to trust God because, oh, thank you, God, you did what I wanted in my timing when I wanted it and answered my prayer. We have to trust God even when things don't look so good, you know? Um, It's kind of like love. When you vow to your spouse that you will love them, um through the ups and downs and sickness and in health, you're not promising to say, I'm only going to love you if you provide for me, if you're there for me, if you're a perfect fill in the blank, if you help with the dishes. No, you're saying, I will love you when you're weak, when you fail, when you disappoint me, when we hurt each other, because we can forgive, because we can have grace. Because we can be merciful to one another. Because I'm willing to go through this with you and learn all there is to learn together and come out stronger in the end. And um, it's very similar and very symbolic of like Jesus's love for us, um, God's love for us. He wants us to love him and trust him through thick and thin, not just in the good times. We should be thankful in the good times and just like, wow, thank you, God, for those blessings. But there's a passage in the Bible that talks about rejoicing, even when things aren't looking so good, rejoicing at all times. And it's not because we have to be thankful for the bad things happening in our lives. That's not it. It's us being thankful beyond what's happening in our lives, like beyond what we can see now, because we're choosing faith, because we're choosing to see that God isn't done yet, that he's still working on it, and that his timeline is trustworthy. I mean, why do we trust our own timelines? That's my question, because the more you think about it, we can't control anything. I mean, sure, you can control what you have for breakfast today, or maybe like that you walk your dog, but how do you know that you're going to live another day? How do you know that something's not going to happen? Not to be pessimistic, but... I'm really being realistic. You can't even control if you 
make it another day. So why would we trust our own timelines a decade from now? Or like, yeah, I know this. You don't know what's going to happen in your future, but you can know that God is good and you can know that God is faithful. You can know that God's going to keep his promises because God is good. God knows. And he does. He's our creator. He's creator God. And he's awesome. So, um, I guess I just wanted to encourage you to put on the arm of God today and to study that, uh, Ephesians six for yourself and realize that even when you're going through a hard time, emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually, that there's hope because God has equipped us. If we know Jesus, we are equipped. We can have peace. We can ask for the things that we need. We have salvation in Christ. We have the word of God that we can study, that we can gird ourselves in. And we have faith, the shield of faith, which will extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. So maybe Satan's attacking you right now. Maybe he's attacking your family. Maybe you're going through sin and disbelief that you've never really dealt with or on like a higher level or more intense level than you have before because things are so uncertain in your life right now. But I want to remind you that God is stable. He is a firm foundation. And so when you're afraid or doubtful or feeling attacked by Satan, just speak out to say, no, you will not attack me. You will not attack my family. You'll be far from this place because I am girded in the armor of God. I have the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness. My feet are fitted with the gospel of peace, and I will have peace in my home. I have the shield of faith, which extinguishes your flaming arrows, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit. And then pray. Sometimes we don't take praying seriously. We think, well, is God even really listening to me? There are times that the Bible talks about that God doesn't incline his his ear. If you're in sin and your heart is hard towards him and you doubt when you pray, God might not hear you. But if you're coming to him with a soft heart and earnestly, he will incline his ear to you. And it's amazing that the God of the universe is willing to incline his ear to me. So that's something to be thankful for. We can also be thankful that we can pray wherever. You know, we don't have to go to a synagogue or a temple or a church. We can pray in our homes, in our cars. If you're still working, you can pray on your way to work or at work. So pray for one another during this time. And you can do so in the silence during your devotional, but you can also do so by calling somebody up and saying, what can I pray for you today? And praying for them right then and there. And praying for your family, asking your spouse and your kids, what can I pray for you for? And having them pray for you because we're two or more gathered in his name. Um, so... I hope that encouraged you today. I hope that you stay strong in the Lord and stay encouraged as we fight this good fight and run the race. And remember that God is with you, even when we don't feel it, even when we don't always see it. God has a perfect plan and he will provide for you. So uh, submit your ways unto him and lean not on your own understanding today.